listening to episode 209 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of season one of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse, starring Eliza Dushku, and it's about damn time, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> right, right. And the, the veritable tour de force for Mr. Tudyk. Wow, this, you're not episode. kidding. And, and there's a lot to talk about, you know, in how he is playing that character. So, you know, we'll hold off on that for a few minutes. But uh, as always, want to remind you guys, love to hear from you. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip. Send us the MP3 as an attachment or tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And as always, would encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. You know, we've got so much to talk about, so uh, you, we probably should get right to it. But you know, in keeping with my sci-fi news, current projects of the Dollhouse cast, obviously we should talk a little bit about Alan Tudyk, who I don't know if you are, well, yeah. you probably are, but he does a ton of voice work Yeah, for animation, and, and obviously he was in Star Wars Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the big robot. Yeah, K2SO, I think it was yeah. named. Uh, Shamefully, I can't remember the name of the robot. but Well, that I, I didn't remember it. I looked it up. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was in NBC's Powerless as Van Wayne, one of the oh, yeah. major characters. But unfortunately, and, and you apparently watched it, which I did not, it got canceled midstream. So Yeah, it got, man, it got shut down. Before it even really got started, and I, you know, I liked Powerless. I thought it was a pretty funny show, but um, you know, it was not to be. Yeah, I mean, but he was, you know he, what? He was great. Well, know. that's obviously not surprising, but uh, you know, comedies, and I don't watch very many comedies. I'll be honest with you. And, and when I do watch a comedy, it's usually, you know, five years after it's been off the air. I mean, like Seinfeld, I didn't even start watching it till probably was in its last season and Mm. the office and things like that. But it's just, you just can never figure out why some make it and some don't. And everything that I read, and it certainly sounds like you would agree. Powerless was a a pretty smart show for a comedy and some good acting, but what are you going to do? Well, yeah, uh, it was, was, and that's, I mean, I I know I sound snobbish when I say this, but I think, that's his problem you know it was a, a smart show it was it wasn't a stupid jokes type comedy it was you know like you know one that I, it was kind of i guess a nerdy type comedy you know so yeah now the other show he was in is kind of an outgrowth of what was that other show he was in crap uh, i think it was sci-fi Something to do flame or oh firefly. <laughs> was he in that show? <laughs> yeah, I wait, know. I, I think I've heard of that show. Um, it was in it for a while, anyway. Okay, I, it was, yeah, it was like one of those shows that got canceled, right? Yeah. All right. Well, obviously we jest, but he's working with Nathan Fillion on a internet show, I guess you would say. Although it's now been, I guess it's picked up by Hulu called Con Man, where he plays Ray Nearly. And if you haven't checked it out, and I suspect most of you have, it's really, if you have Hulu especially, I think you can probably watch an episode or two on YouTube. But he plays an actor who was on a 
show that was canceled before its time. He was the pilot on a spaceship that has a huge fan following. And when we say con man, it's him hitting the sci-fi convention circuit. And it's hilarious. Every actor that you love in sci-fi, most of them from Firefly, have made at least one or two appearances in the show. Have you watched many of them? I haven't seen any of them, actually. Really? Yeah, that's like this show that I keep thinking I should watch, but I don't have Hulu. So. Yeah, and I don't either. I mean, I've seen a few. Um, I'll check it out. I think there's a couple spots where you can actually legally watch a few of the episodes, so I'll get you those links. But yeah, it's okay. it's hilarious. And as you might imagine, he's awesome. Nathan Fillion is awesome, right? Nathan Fillion was on the show with him, and he's his character in Con Man has become a big TV star. Again, sound familiar? So it's it's just a lot of fun, and uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. All right. Well, speaking of haven't seen it, it's been a while since I watched Briar Rose, and I know last time I mentioned that my feeling was it wasn't that good of an episode. Boy, could I have been more wrong? Yeah, you were pretty wrong, I think, when you said that, yeah. <laughs> so this is episode 11 of season one, titled Briar Rose, written by Jane Espenson. Directed by Dwight Little, who's mainly known for a show called Bones, which I know Michael loves that show. And and, and again, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've just never gotten into it. But he also directed X-Files, 24, Sleepy Hollow, Nikita, Prison Break. So, you know, he's done a ton. And this one aired May 1st, 2009. Wow. Uh, you know, w- what do we start with on this episode? Why don't we start with the story of Sleeping Beauty? Okay. Because, you know, obviously this is called Briar Rose, and Briar Rose was the name of the princess in in Sleeping Beauty. And uh, and so there, there's a, a bunch of, you know, like you, I, I looked up Briar Rose, obviously, mostly comes up with you know, Sleeping Beauty stuff. And so I thought there were, if you look at the story of Sleeping Beauty, um, there are some, we can maybe draw some parallels between what's going on in the dollhouse, right? Sure. So, you know, she's obviously, when she's a baby, her parents have a big party. They insult somehow uh, an enchantress who puts a curse on the baby. She's going to die. Another enchantress changes it so that she'll just fall asleep for 100 years. You realize it was 100 years that she was asleep? Well, I'm not as big on fairy tales as you probably are. (laughs) I I mean, just from having kids, you know, that's right. right. So, yeah, I had forgotten that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, she falls asleep for 100 years. And the so in order to make it like less awkward when she woke up, the good enchantress puts the whole kingdom uh, to sleep. So everyone's asleep for 100 years. And then finally, you know, the brave prince comes and. Uh, you know, risk Saul to get to her and to give her the kiss where she wakes up and everyone else wakes up and they all live happily. It's one of those unique Grimm's fairy tales that actually ends happily. Um, so there's like a second part too as well where the, the prince brings her home and his mom is like a half ogre and she keeps trying to eat like her kids, his, well, the prince's and Sleeping Beauty's kids. And, and then in the end, you know, she's foiled and, and, and dies. And everyone, then, again, lives happily ever after. So, I mean, it just seems like they obviously they draw the, the parallels in the episode of Ballard being the prince coming to rescue her. 
which uh, doesn't go quite as he thought it was going to go. There, there's the idea of the beautiful princess being asleep, right? And she sure. needs the prince to to wake her up. And then, of course, there's the you know the the guarded kingdom. You know, in in the Sleeping Beauty, the her the whole land is uh, like kind of in a shell of like thorns and and rose briars and stuff so that the outside world won't come around and like, you know, mess with people while they're sleeping. So, I mean, that's kind of like the dollhouse too, this protected, as we learned, underground place that is, uh, you know, the, that is hidden from the outside world. Yeah. And, and, and just the way, as you said, the way this episode was crafted, drawing those parallels, which I, I mean, I guess you could argue it was obvious, but I, I think they just did it so well that, that's okay. And I, I guess one of the first things that you know I, I want to consider is this engagement where Echo goes to the orphanage to work with this young girl. And, and obviously, that's where we're presented the, the story of Sleeping Beauty. So my question is, has DeWitt sent Echo to the orphanage as some sort of a penance for what's been happening. I mean, how did this engagement originate? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Cause like, I'm almost expecting the, uh, you know, the lady in charge here to say, you know, to be knowingly in on it, but she isn't. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's, is uh, this proof that the dollhouse can do good, which is obviously something we've talked about as this podcast ha- has gone through season one. And is this something they have done on a regular basis or is this as i implied some sort of a penance that this is a direction they're going to start taking at least in part so so we don't really know but a yeah, little, uh, little pro bono work for tax purposes maybe. well you know and and, and again and there, there are some questions here and, and obviously we're willing to take certain leaps but when she's reading the story it, it obviously sets off that young girl who mocks the plot and the character's actions in it. And then we learn that Echo was told that she might be able to help this girl, which is why she picked that story. So how did the dollhouse get involved with this particular girl at this particular time, which then leads us back to Topher when he's showing his assistant, the two brain scans, how did they get her brain scan? Exactly. How did they get the kid's personality? How were they able to it you know, and we learned last episode that to your this transfer of consciousness takes you know a, a bunch of times to do right. Like sure, uh, the Adele's friend had come there a number of times. So yeah, how how did they get this? Yeah, like, I mean they, we we know there are powers above Dewitt, and and tonight we hear about the center which is mm-hmm. in Tucson and Topher's Tucson. like, Oh, is that, you know, where it all starts? Is that the main office or whatever? So, you know, for whatever reason, somebody we would as- expect above DeWitt has sent her in this direction. Is this girl meaningful in any way? Uh, you know, we don't, you know, see anything in this episode that would say that. No. And this whole part with the kid really, I mean, honestly, I guess what it mostly does is it it gets Echo away from the dollhouse until the very end, you know? Okay. Um, because otherwise, it's like, how does this 
<clears throat> except for the, the the you know the the parallel with Sleeping Beauty and the prince coming to rescue her, I'm not really sure how this really fits in with the rest of the episode. Like, it, if they had taken it out, you really wouldn't have really noticed so much. It wouldn't have, you know, certainly doesn't affect the plot really any. And, um, you know, thematically, it's only kind of tenuously linked, I think. Right. Other than an example of the dollhouse being able to do good. And, and obviously, Ballard contends that the dollhouse condones consensual slavery, which, again, is something we've talked about in regards to the fact that these people voluntarily, and I think you and I disagree slightly on, on you know, how, how we would define voluntarily, but the fact that the dolls really can't run, which is kind of the issue with Susan in, in this story that she, because of her age, her size and, and all of that can't run. And of course the dolls can't run or can they, which is kind of what makes Echo's character so compelling as, as she starts to have flashes that there's something else out there. And, and in fact, you know, will she run right away? We get the idea that Echo's imprint is an older version of Susan, which obviously is confirmed by Topher, which, you know, I, I thought was a pretty cool idea. It doesn't explain how he got the young girl's brain scan, but the idea is that this girl can see somebody just like her who's made it in the world and that she has a future. Okay, great. So if this is only a one-off and this is it, sorry, Dollhouse, that doesn't yeah. you know, square accounts, but <laughs> right, it's a good right. start. Not at all, but it's, it's something. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when Echo's talking about her own traumas, which we understand were imprinted in her, you know, because, because they mirror the girls – and and we see in this girl and and the little girl I mean, was really a fascinating character. I mean, a really I meant to look her up to see if she's done anything in in the uh, eight years since this episode aired because you know she'd be in her you know mid to late twenties I guess at this point because she was really good. I mean, just that that anger yet. Uh, and the one scene that I just really loved was when Echo's making that connection with her, and then Echo says you know, can I come back? And the girl just kind of gives her like just a real subtle head nod. Like, yeah, you can, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. act excited about it because I know you'll probably disappoint me by not showing up. Right. Yeah. Because obviously she's not a, uh, she's not, uh, you know, a kid that lets people in. So, you know, but that nod is, you know, pre- a pretty big step. Right. And, uh, and granted, because of her age, she's got abandonment issues, even though her mother died and, you know, certainly didn't abandon her on purpose. Although being a drug addict, you could argue she didn't do anything to try to prevent so it. The, uh, the, the actress's name is Hannah Lee. And, um, you know, she's done some, she was out last in Mad Men, actually, in 2015. But oh, okay. uh, really nothing since, so. Okay, so but maybe she did a lot she's of doing stuff st- in the uh, the mid uh, aughts. Okay, to the uh, up up through you know twenty. She was a lot of series from twenty eleven to twenty fourteen. Okay, so all right. Anyway, all right. Um, so you know we see uh, obviously the the whole parallel with Ballard as the prince, and you know that that whole line that nothing's going to stop him from saving her, which is I mean. Ballard's such a complex character because on the one hand, 
we don't like Ballard, even though we know <laughs> instinctively what he's doing is right. But there's just something about his approach, and maybe it's just because we've bonded with the dollhouse through the series. But I, I always find that fascinating every time I watch this. Yeah, you know, you he's a guy you like you you kind of, you don't necessarily not like him. He's a little too self-righteous. He's a little too full of himself. And here we really see that he is obsessed. This isn't justice or anything he's looking for. It's just pure obsession as he just doesn't care at all about freeing the rest of the dolls. Right. It's just her. All he cares about is Caroline, which is, I don't know, it's like weird. But, you know, it was always kind of been out there. But we always, I guess, assumed that he was interested in bringing down the dollhouse. But that's not it at all. He just wants to get Caroline out. Well, well, you know, and his, I guess, this this determination, which on the one hand is obviously a great quality to have. But this obsession, on the other hand, leads him to really... As DeWitt says, did you really think you could just walk in the dollhouse? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if it's as big as you suspected it was, did you really think? And I, I think the answer is no, of course not. He didn't think. No, right, exactly. Didn't didn't think at all. Because if he had thought about it, he probably would have more carefully considered, you know, how he was being kind of led around by the nose by uh you know Alan Tudyk. Right. Um yeah. Who? What, yeah. What's he? Uh, think his name is? is um... Oh yeah, I've got it somewhere in here. But uh, but yeah, yeah and, and even when we get to the discussion of, of Alpha's role, you know, in, in this episode, you know, some of the things that Alpha does really beg some examination, and you know, why he would even go to the dollhouse. But we'll hold off on that for a second. Um, you know, the other story that we're introduced to is, is that whole flash drive that's meant for Mr. Dominic arriving at the dollhouse. And obviously it ties into, although we, we don't necessarily know that yet, what's going on with Alpha. So they get this flash drive. Boyd's concerned that it's communications from the NSA and it's password protected. And, you know, how are we going to open it? We assume they're going to bring Dominic out of the attic, which, of course, they do. But I guess I didn't expect them to use Dominic's consciousness in somebody else's body. That was a cool right. twist. Yeah. Which, well, if nothing else, it tells me that they can. And now, of course, we really know that they do that all the time. But it w- it was just kind of neat to see that done in this way. He yeah, goes it's nuts. It's almost cruel. It's almost cruel little twist there, you know. And you wonder if that's why she did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it's just that one, I don't want to say final, you know, stab in him for, for basically doing what you did to me, which is, you know, work behind my back at cross purposes. But the other thing that comes out of this scene, though, Dominic's going nuts when he realizes that to the point Saunders even has to sedate him just after he lets slip the name Whiskey. Right. And she immediately but, says, oh, you want a drink? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I I know when I first saw this. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I guarantee that, yeah, you just, you didn't realize it was a name he was saying, that he was just saying that he wanted, like, a drink of whiskey, which, I don't know. 
maybe a little bit of an unusual request at that time. But, uh, you know, it kind of, it it goes over your head. But then once you've seen it, uh, the the series, and you're like, oh, well, you know, no, he's not saying he wants whiskey. He's, you know, calling Saunders whiskey. Right. Exactly. Which is something that will get explored as we move forward in the series. But. Dominic tells them, no, it's not the NSA. We don't communicate that way. And they immediately assume it's Alpha. But why he trying to communicate with Dominic? And and once they get the flash drive open, all we see is a photo of a Paul Bunyan statue in Tucson. Coupled then with the dead body that turns up in Tucson which leads Sierra to be imprinted as an FBI-trained forensic specialist, we see cuts to this body's face similar to those Dr. Saunders has. We know that the center is in Tucson. So what is it about Tucson? You know, We don't find anything out, but there's certainly a lot of clues that are dispensed in this episode about it. Yeah, Um like like usual they just give you a little bit you know and i think set up for possible you know later stories and everything but uh right and and the one thing that we have to consider is next week is the season finale yeah kind of right well i mean it really is because they had no idea that there was going to be anything after that and that you know we'll talk next week about the genesis of epitaph one which is actually the 13th episode but it's really it's certainly not the season one finale or not the finale that joss whedon originally intended so you know we don't want to start talking about that at this point but but certainly at one level next week is the season finale so you know we'll see how they they approach that so we obviously transition into an alpha centric story arc and obviously, uh, Stephen Kepler, by the way, that's the guy. Stephen guy's Kepler, name. yeah, right, right, right. Uh, obviously, Alpha can get in the dollhouse anytime we, he wants, and we know that he has because of, of certain things that, that happened, and nobody could figure out who was doing it. And we talked about that. Why doesn't Alpha slash Ballard? I mean, and, and what is it about slashing people's faces at this point? Yeah, that's really weird that that. So, I mean, he's, you know, he, he took, he did Victor quick, you know, it's like, whoop, 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 boom. Yeah. Before he could even really move, he, you know, carved his face up. It was, that was crazy. Um, I guess crazy is a good word for it. But yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Alpha can get in whenever he wants. It, it clearly seems that what he just needed Ballard for was to be a big distraction. Right. You know. And he couldn't just grab anyone. He needed someone who, like, you know, Ballard wouldn't go down easy. He would draw the full attention of the security forces in the dollhouse so that while they're all trying to take down Ballard, uh, he can, you know, sneak up to the uh, to, to the lab and uh, download whatever this consciousness is that he's, he has into, you know, I don't know if he wanted Echo uh her per se or just any female would have worked just as well for him but uh but yeah so you know i think really just needs someone who could be a a formidable distraction and ballard kind of fits that bill perfectly 
Right. And at this point, like you mentioned, would any female have, have done, you know, we get a little more clarity later in the, in the uh, series, but, but yeah, it's, it's really more about the consciousness than it is echo or, or is it? And, you know, obviously he comes in with that purpose in mind and he's taking a big risk because one of the questions that, that again comes up for me is why would he go into the dollhouse knowing full well that they're looking for him, knowing full well that he is human. He's not the Hulk. So that if 10 handlers come, you know, and and confront him, they're going to subdue him. Yeah. Or shoot him. And, or, or shoot him or whatever. At best, he's going to end up in the attic. So whatever it is about this girl whose consciousness he planted in Echo, it's it's pretty important to him. Yeah, yeah. Because it's definitely not Caroline. I mean, you know, we we kind of think when we see him put Echo into the, the machine and think, oh, you know, maybe he's going to, he's freeing Caroline. He's going to return her to Caroline and, and they're going to run. But it's definitely not Caroline who's uh, in Echo here. And who is Alpha at this point? You know, I mean, I mean, we start and we'll get to that in a second, I guess, you know, Ballard's moving out of his apartment. That's one of the first things we see an act that sends Melly on this emotional rant. And then, and I love when she says, place the blame where it deserves to be. Now we know that's part of her programming, but it's still painful to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very painful to watch. You really, your heart just aches for her. And you know, Ballard's does too. But again, here's again where we start to maybe not like Ballard quite so much is how cold he is, how unfeeling. He's just like, you'll get over it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's in part because he sees her as a doll. You know, he, he doesn't see her as somebody that's being that's been imprinted with feelings that are as real to her as his feelings are to him. And, and, you know, it's obviously it's pretty complex because at the end of the day, I think we really feel like he does like her, but yeah, but he he doesn't know how to reconcile the fact that I like maybe even love a doll. How do I reconcile that? Yeah. Well, you know, he certainly doesn't reconcile it by saving her as he passes over her. He sees her sleeping there. She's the first sleeping pod that he opens and he's just like oh nope stay there yeah mm-hmm. and i mean that was pretty much of a dick move yeah yeah big time yeah. uh also when he's talking to loomis right which again how on earth does he keep getting into the fbi built do, do they have no security at all or something do they have like a, a a ladder sticking out the back window that anyone can get into this place it just seems like a, the FBI building should be a little bit better guarded to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he, he calls them dolls and Loomis says, I, I was going to say victim, you know? So right there, even Loomis has enough humanity to realize that the people inside the dollhouse are victims, but Ballard to, to him, they're, I don't know. He has, he has no feeling at all for them. Well, it goes back to his idea that it's consensual slavery, and I think we could also argue whether or not they really are victims. Are they victims of 
their own acts. I mean, Caroline, is she a victim and that's how she got to the dollhouse? Well, on one level, yes, but you got to this point because of a conscious act that you undertook. And that's why you're here. The same like the guy in the lab that ended up murdering, you know, his classmate. You know, that was an act. Are you a victim? We talked about this before. Did he have a choice? Well, yeah, he could have stood trial for murder and gone to prison. He had a choice. Mm-hmm. Or did he? You know, is he a victim? Well, you know, yeah, but for his own right. actions. Yeah, so, yeah. but then we see Melly, who is totally distraught walking the streets and i don't know about you but i'm thinking she's contemplating jumping oh yeah down yeah, into they, the roadway they, they clearly show that she she looks like she's she's about to jump right but for me the takeaway here is that can't be part of her programming or is it oh I mean, yeah i mean is it part of her programming in case ballard would see her doing that, then he would maybe stop. And, and, and again, he'd engage with her and kind of keep him out of the way. But, you know, that whole idea that she assumes she did something wrong as she's, she's just pleading with her handler who, who's picking her up in the van. Wow. Just heart wrenching. But yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say, I don't think it was part of her program because as we know, they, they can't program every aspect of, of these people. Right. And, that they still make decisions and and do things even when they're um, you know have a, a you know a consciousness implanted in them. You know, I, I it seems to me it's like her kind of going off the rails a little bit. I, I can't imagine you know that that they would you know you know program her with uh, you know with a suicidal thought. She's just like even even though she is has this consciousness downloaded into her, she still is a person, right? Sure. So I mean, it just brings in, I guess, a lot of questions about like you know, you know, what what is a person? Because clearly, Melly is a person who feels, who who loves, who is sad, who is depressed, who who can be hurt. Um, she's not just a computer program. She can make her own decisions, though ultimately in the end, it's conditioning that you know she falls back on because her handler touches her shoulder and she knows to go you know, right into the, the van. Right. And of, of course, Ballard is just simply using her, which is kind of the second leap that I'm going to have to take here. And I understand it's a narrative device. And we've talked before, they got 42 minutes or actually at dollhouse era, they were like 46 to 47 minute episodes, but Ballard has followed her and then follows the van to the dollhouse. So was this his plan all along? And how did he, you know, go from dot a to dot B to dot C and know that was what was going to happen. I think, he, I imagine his plan was just like cut, you know, Melly loose, and then just follow her around because ultimately he probably figures that they were going to take her there. But yeah, it's obviously some very you know big narrative leaps that they're making here. That, uh, um, you know, but yeah, like you said, you know, you you, you can spend half of the the episode showing Ballard's elaborate scheme, or you can just have him follow the. Um, 
the van so he figures out where the dollhouse is and he can move forward from there. All right. And as you said, I mean, maybe his plan was to follow her, figuring that eventually the dollhouse would make contact with her. And it just happened sooner rather than later, which, you know, again, again, is fine. But one thing that I certainly feel is entirely believable is the research he's doing. And he runs across the name of a guy involved with the construction of that building. And what catches his attention is that the guy designs self-contained environmental systems, systems that could avoid appearing on the grid. And, and of course, that makes total sense from our perspective as well as his. And that's good detective work that that I think is believable. But right, it, it, but he doesn't like you, you know he like just I guess was it last week, two weeks ago when you know he they tried to find who Melly was and the. You know, her information kind of got erased as soon as they found it. You know, he doesn't treat this information and this that he found out with any kind of suspicion. You know, sure, right? Because we know what he's being fed is what Alpha wants him to be to find out. Right, exactly, exactly. So he tracks the guy down, this Stephen J. Kepler, and Alan Tudyk answers the door as this you know nutty, paranoid. I'm surprised he wasn't wearing a tinfoil hat at that right. point. But we know it's Alpha. And of course, you learn that at the end of the episode. So then if you, when you go back and watch it, knowing it's Alpha, it, it certainly alters the way you, you watch the scene unfolding. And then, of course, Ballard asks him if he could make a building disappear. He brings up the dollhouse. You know, Alpha freaks out, saying that they'll kill him. But Ballard needs him to get into the dollhouse. Now, is this part of Alpha's plan all along? Is he that smart? Yeah, apparently he is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of kind of you know chess pieces that Alpha has you know put into play here. But uh, this is all going just as as he expected it would. And, you know, and Ballard, and, but well, like let's face it. I mean, it's not like Ballard is difficult to manipulate. You know. He's just, he's like a bull in a china shop. He's going to go charging headlong into whatever if he sees an opportunity to pursue his obsession. Right. Now, is is Alpha just putting on this persona, you know, th- this nutty, you know, smart guy, afraid of everything, or is that part of what alpha's problem really is i mean we don't know i mean he does seem to get more lucid as he gets into the dollhouse and gets on dr saunders computer and starts taking down the various systems and then eventually imprints echo with the consciousness of the girl that he came there came there for in the first place so again i find that fascinating if nothing else it's certainly speaks to the breadth of Alan Tudyk's acting skills. Yeah. Well, no question about that. I mean, one is like, we, you know, we call it a tour de force in the beginning. Uh, and it was great. Um, but, you know, he has to act like that because he needs Ballard to think that he's in control, that Ballard is in control. Right. right? Ballard assumes he's in control and he's the one that's leading this operation and that, you know, Stephen Kepler is just this kind of sniveling, scared scientist who, you know, doesn't like to leave his house. And and so, you know, you know, Ballard pulls the gun on him and he thinks he's in control. But 
really, uh, if really if he had stopped to think at any point of this process, he would realize that Kepler is the one who is controlling him. He's going where Kepler tells him to go. He's doing what Kepler tells him to do. But because Alan, you know, he he acts like he's scared and nervous and frightened. Um, you know, Ballard assumes that he's in control and that you know, and he's got the situation. Well, right. But on the one hand, he's following his lead because he designed, you know, this system. So he, you know, I think it's believable that Ballard would go where he tells him to go because, you know, otherwise, why did I get this guy in the first place? But that's, I think, the beauty of retrospect and looking at this episode, you know, as we stand back is that this is Alpha's op not Ballard's, even though Ballard, as you said, thinks it's his. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so they they get in as Ballard is freeing Echo. I love the scene. Boy, it's got the gun pointed at the back of his head. Sorry, Agent Ballard, you don't get the girl. Right. Now, you know, the fight scene, I started thinking as Ballard was holding his own, nah come on there's no way boyd's gonna kick your ass and then it took me back to i don't know if it was episode one i think it was yeah where we see ballard training so that we do know he has those fighting skills yes and you wonder whether that scene was put there in anticipation of this scene is joss that smart um I think you know when we looked at that scene back in episode one, that it was mostly used metaphorically to show that you know basically Ballard can take a kicking, uh, but still get back up. You know and that that he is tough and tenacious and everything. Uh, but there's been a couple fights. You know he had the big fight scene with uh, Echo earlier too. Yeah. Um, once again, he got a beat down there. So. Um, so I did, did Joss Whedon put that scene in episode one in anticipation that in episode 11, they were going to have a big fight scene. I, I mean, I doubt that, but I think he, they did put it in, in anticipation of having Tamo Pennicut doing multiple fight scenes during the season. Okay. And that, uh, it would make the other ones believable, which, which certainly makes sense. And and you mentioned Echo. Again, she she's the one that takes Ballard down at what at the point. I, I guess at the end, right? She pushes him off the stairs. Well, no, she reaches underneath, it, like you know, because that's what um, Kepler said he was afraid of of open stairs that people can reach through, and you know, kind of slightly comically, I would say, uh, you know, Echo reaches underneath the stairs and pulls out Ballard's feet, just as uh, as uh, Steve Kepler was worried about right now saunders takes victor in to treat him after his incident with dominic people were fighting on me which (laughs) you know and we've talked about the doll state before so that's understandable but she finds alpha who immediately slashes victor's face which on the one hand we then make the connection between the cuts on her face. And, and obviously we, we know that, that he did those. And even if this is the first time view, you, you make that connection as well, but why Victor, you know, I mean, mean, why didn't, why didn't he cut Ballard? You know, and I guess you'd say he needed Ballard to get in and cause a distraction. And, and I guess that makes sense. 
But what is it about cutting people and cutting their face? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's yeah. It's it's. I guess part of it is just it is a manifestation of that jarring change in personality. You know, he goes from Kepler, who is you know this frightened little mouse, to Alpha, who is you know as alpha as it gets you know um and that that's a you know vicious vicious change in character and we kind of get that because he just you know without even breathing he slashes victor's face up yeah which by the way i mean it probably wasn't special effects but i'm not sure how they did it makeup whatever but he did it so quickly and you see the cuts immediately just however they did it it was really well done yeah but alpha takes echo to topher's and and of course this is the point we learned that stephen j kepler is the dead guy in tucson and alpha just assumed his identity as part of this long plan puts her in the chair runs that imprint she gets out of the chair and they start kissing. I told you I'd come rescue you, he tells her. And then, of course, how fittingly, my prince. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, so where are we at this point with the dollhouse? I mean, where do we go from from here? I mean, we've got Ballard in handcuffs. He's not going anywhere. Is DeWitt going to send him to the attic? Or is she going to kill him? Well, um, th- th- sh- I mean, obviously, we know the answer, right? And she but at says, this point, you know, to to Boyd, like, well, we can we can turn him into a doll, and you know, and Boyd is he's just like, no, like, no, that's we're not we're not doing that. And then, of course, they are, you know, at that point uh, is when they realize that Alpha's there, and so. They are kind of distracted from making the decision on on Ballard at, at that point, right? And, and Ballard, meanwhile, is pleading, particularly with Boyd, and I'm not sure why he would make this leap, if you will. That you, I know you know this isn't right. Do you really think this? Why would he think that Boyd has doubts? I mean, we know Boyd has doubts, mm-hmm. but why would he think Boyd has doubts? Yeah, right, boy, just kicked my ass defending the dollhouse. Right, why would I think he has doubts? So, uh, regardless, Ballard is in a position that you know leaves him open to a lot of possibilities, and and you know we'll find out some more next week for sure. Yeah, but but obviously, where is Alpha going? And will anybody be able to stop him from leaving the dollhouse with Echo, which is the question. Yeah. Like, who's this chick, right? Yeah. Right. And who's whiskey? Yeah. Or did he just want to drink? Or did he just want to drink? So, <laughs> and, and I think we know the answer to that. I, again, if we're watching the show for the first time back in 2009 or for the first time at any point, and we've already established the military alphabet, then it yeah. doesn't take long to look up the fact that whiskey is the designation for the letter W. Yep. Whiskey so, Tango Foxtrot. Exactly. Oh, nice. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, so uh, anything else about this one? Um, I think that's you know, like again, I just want to just reflect again on like how that that you know Ballard's very precarious position. But he, you're right that he does seem to have an effect on on Boyd uh, with his little monologue at the end there. um, That it seems like he's kind of maybe reaching him somewhere. So um, you know, just there's again when you think this, you know, this show just keeps pushing forward right and all of a sudden when we think well we've seen pretty much everything we can uh they throw this whole new world at you you know obviously alpha they could spend you could spend seasons chasing after him right um obviously they got to get echo back um you know ballard what are they gonna do with him just all this crazy stuff and just what made this show so great is just how they always push the envelope with the intensity you know just kept turning it up to 11. Right. And and all along the viewer feels the threat to the dollhouse is agent Paul Ballard. The dollhouse itself is also aware of the threat that agent Paul Ballard uh, plays, but they're not quite as concerned with that because they feel that they've got him under control. But then what we learn in this episode is that no, it's been alpha all along. And now how is the dollhouse going to deal with perhaps the biggest threat it faces? Is Alpha a bigger threat than the FBI? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like at this moment he is. It sure seems like it. And, and again, it goes back to uh, the episode Man on the Street, where we have to consider why do Ballard's co-workers make fun of his obsession with finding the dollhouse as if it doesn't exist as if it's a figment of his imagination when the world at large is well aware of the dollhouse and Mm -hmm. certainly has an idea of what it actually is all about is or is this just this huge urban myth so i mean this episode again as you said it it kind of throws us into a new world that we're going to have to now deal with leaving the old one behind, which, hey, is awesome. I mean, a lot of shows do that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we've seen like this, well, and one thing that the um, the the scene with the kid in the beginning of the episode does is it once again demonstrates that, well, the dollhouse can do pretty much anything. Like they can, you know, show the future to a little kid. We mentioned, as you mentioned, the Man on the Street episode, how dangerous that can be how dangerous this technology can be. And, and we see that there, you know, if, if one thing has kind of run through all these episodes so far is that, you know, the dollhouse's security is not all that, that great, you know, and they literally had the secret entrance here um, that, uh, you know, Alpha and Ballard could break into there. So, you know, there there is this idea that, this very dangerous technology can is leaking out a little bit at a time and that eventually the dam is going to break on this. Right. And again, it goes back to that, that question, what is the actual purpose of the dollhouse technology? You know, what is the end game for whoever is the man behind the curtain who 
we obviously don't know at this point. I mean, obviously, I speculate that it's the military or the government. Sure. But, uh, but with technology this powerful, are we simply going to use it as a pleasure palace? I mean, that doesn't make any sense unless that's just simply the cover for it. Or is that just the testing ground? Right. Well, I mean, we assume that if the government's involved, they're going to try to find some way to weaponize this, right? Sure. All right. Well, that's all I got. I mean, I'm going full on A. Yeah, definitely uh, and, an A. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even consider A plus because, you know, again, there are some leaps that we have to make, which is fine. I mean, if that's what causes me to only give it an A, then I'm sure mm-hmm. that's understandable. So, uh, and then next week we'll, we'll talk about the background behind the 13th episode, the hidden episode, if you will, the episode that never aired. Right. Right. And, yeah. and you know, we'll talk about how that the, came about. You had to go out and buy the DVD if you wanted to see this one. Exactly. So, all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about Dollhouse. Anything else in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get through the website. We'll be back next week to talk about the Dollhouse Season 1 finale, Episode 12, titled Omega. But until then... This is crap. <laughs>